0: Are you ready to change your life, your mind, and change the way you see your world? Well, this is the Minds Gym Podcast with myself, Brandon Bickmore, your turbo lover. And here we go. guys it's your turbo lover brandon bickmore back again with the minds gym podcast here to listen to another human being that you've heard a couple times before the crazy insane cyclist mark smith uh, is back to uh give us a recap of his race so uh this guy finished the race and uh experienced a uh, a couple pitfalls al- along the way, and he's going to share uh, some of that information with us and uh, going to hit him with some questions about uh, the race and, and where his mind is today and, and see how it goes. Um, thanks again for uh, listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and please tell all your friends, and I uh, uh, hope you're liking that intro. Every time I hear it, it makes me smile. I'm hoping it makes you smile, too. I hope you're having a beautiful day. So, anyways, <clears throat> here we go. We're back here with my good buddy Mark, and uh, and uh, excited to see how the uh, uh, how the race went. How you doing today, bro? Doing good. I noticed you walked in here on crutches and your foot's in a brace. What's 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 up with that?
1: Well, I think we talked about this a little bit before. I've been having problems with my left foot, some nerve damage, and. We got through the race, and uh, after the race, it was so messed up that I just couldn't, couldn't walk on it. So, I mean, I boot for a couple weeks and until it calms down, and hopefully I can at least participate in loaded and then I'll, I'll get surgery to get it fixed.
0: Good deal. Um, recap the race for us a little bit. I got a lot of questions for you, but talk about maybe mile uh, zero through 100 and give us a couple of the highlights.
1: Um, well, it started out, we got there, started at 4:30 in the morning, and we kind of had the game plan that we, that first, the first leg of that race is pretty easy. So we were really going to put the hammer down and try to ride fast. So our whole goal is to get to Cedar City before dark. So race started, took off. Uh, you know my support crew got ahead of me a little bit because it was the beginning of the race, and at mile five. Boom! <laughs> had a rear, a rear tire blowout at mile five. I was like, oh, <laughs> right off the bat, right oh. off the bat. So I called him, then I had to wait. I think about ten minutes for him to get there. So the other, the other, what eight nine people that were riding with that group gone, and so they fixed it, got back on, and I was on my own, and uh, eventually caught back up to everybody. Going around the west side of Utah Lake was crazy. I thought the bugs were bad on Antelope Island. This was, they were worse. I mean, they were big. First, I thought it was a hailstorm because they were big and white, and they were just pelting you. It was raining a little bit. And uh, for about an hour, hour and a half around that lake, it was just keep, keep your mouth shut. Don't open it. Yeah. They were really bad.
0: That was uh, i remember when you got to Cedar City, you took your helmet off and your jersey, just, and just kind of just bugs just <laughs> fell out of your helmet.
1: Yeah, that's right. When I took my helmet off. I had to yeah. bu- clean all the bugs out of my hair and yeah. all over my... I actually tried to wipe myself down with just my arms about the time I got to the end of Utah Lake, but never seen yeah. bugs like that. And then from there, uh, just a lot of pedaling. I passed pretty much everybody up, made up the time I missed.
0: How long did it take you to catch the, that group? Because you well, were down I, for 10 minutes. Yeah. You I, had to make up all that and...
1: Yeah, they were gone. The group was kind of falling apart, but the other two guys that were riding in the solo division, I caught them at uh, Goshen Canyon. So it would be like, it was 60 miles. Really? Before I ever saw them. So did you
0: really have to motor to catch them? Did you feel like you were pushing yourself a little harder than normal?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, I wasn't, like, it was a uh, stage race. You know, I would have had to pedal even harder. I didn't want to burn up all my matches. So but I was riding a little bit quicker, trying to make up that lost time. So by the time we got to uh, Gunnison, with, uh, the 100 miles, I'd made up my time and had about a, I was about 10 minutes ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good. So once we got to Nephi, it was just uh, pedal south, not much of a breeze. So took advantage of that, tried to ride a little faster. Yeah. So made pretty good time from there. It's just straight shot to Gunnison and then uh, another 100 miles to uh, then about 40 miles, 40 miles out of Gunnison, I got a second flat tire. But that was my front wheel, so they, we were able to change that pretty quick. So the first, uh, and then at about 180 miles, I guess, I started having my upper quad on my right, my right leg started bugging me pretty good, started cramping up on me, and so that was hurting me pretty good. Then I. Just dealt with that. It it started raining a little bit, and we got to Penguich, But we got to Penguich. everything was looking good. I was feeling pretty good. Got my quad massaged out and took a shower, real quick shower. Changed kits, got more food, and hopped on the bike and took off. So two flat tires and the bugs were probably the highlight of that first 100 miles.
0: Yeah. Did did you feel like uh, you were, like, did you think that you were pushing yourself a little harder? Because I noticed, I was following him, by the way, for those of you that are listening, uh, following him every 10, 20, 30 miles I'd pull ahead of him, but you were going pretty fast. Like, you were moving.
1: Yeah, no, and actually... you were out ahead of those
0: two other guys, Chris and Demetri, I think was our names, yeah. but, but it seemed like you were maybe I, pulling actually, them or leading them, but you were moving.
1: Yeah, no, actually, I was right on, I was right on schedule. Once we made up, once I made up the time I'd lost and got ahead of schedule, I was just riding right at that 22-mile-an-hour pace, which yeah. was kind of the game plan. So, yeah. so you and felt I, good? I felt good and just had to work with that quad a little bit. Feet were fine. Yeah. My left foot wasn't bugging me at all. That We got the shot in before the race. so hmm. Yeah, so it was uh, everything was pretty good all the way to, to Panglitch, yeah. minus the bugs.
0: Minus <laughs> the bugs. Yeah, and then tell us about, I think you had that big climb.
1: So King of the Mountain comes after after yeah. Oh, after
0: Penguin, yeah. yeah so
1: so we hit the uh, King of the Mountain so after Penguage, you're at two hundred twenty miles and then gosh you got twenty thirty miles of of just just climbing yeah. up the King of the Mountain and that got that's when it started getting pretty brutal yeah that it was a interesting ride because every time you would think you were coming to a summit yeah. you would get there and it'd just be a false summit and yeah. there was another one and another one, and another one. I swear, it seemed like there were 15, 20 summits on that ride, so when I did get to the top of the King of, and I had in my head that the summit was at uh, 10,000 feet, so all I did is, you know, it's really easy to get discouraged when you keep looking up and seeing more climbing, so I just put my head down, pedal, and I just watched my Garmin, and as it got closer to 10,000 feet, you know, I knew I was about there. Yeah. So I see this top of this hill, 10,000 feet, get to 10,000 feet, it was another false summit. <laughs> the summit was, wow. I think, like ten eight or ten nine. Yeah. So there was, so that was like oh, yeah. and then it got pretty tough, and, and the steep parts I struggled pretty good. I was, yeah. I was having a hard time just keeping turning the pedals over. Yeah. And how hot was it then? Do you think um, we were pretty lucky because it was it it uh, had rained, it had rained early in the morning, right out of the race a little bit, and then it, it drizzled at Montpelier, so the temperatures were. I think uh, high low nineties at the yeah, most. Not L-
0: Montpelier. penguin. You mean? I mean
1: not Montpelier. I'm lo- mixing a lot of there. Penguin. Yeah. Penguin. So uh, it was it was high 80s, So I didn't even had to really worry about the heat at yeah. this point in the race the yet.
0: Weather was pretty darn good, and the, you actually had a tailwind there through Nephi.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. That was the, I think. Did I you, don't know. I don't know if I would say a tailwind. Maybe no, out, wind. no wind. No wind. No wind. Yeah. There was a
0: point where I remember you guys had a decent eight. 10 mile an hour tailwind it seemed for like
1: yeah where was 40 that? 50 miles that might have been out right after after gunnison was it on the way to pengwich yeah yeah might have been because after and but i what that but i started having at sea so at about mile 240 we were doing the climb but then i started having a problem eating Did you? i, I started for whatever reason i got these really bad hiccups really and and they were so bad that they were just, like, gun wrenching and I, I couldn't. I never had that happen before. It was really weird. So I, I just couldn't. Anything I would eat, I just would puke back up. I couldn't keep it down. Wow. So that that slowed me down, too, a little bit on the climb. Hmm. And I never did get those to go away. So How it, long did
0: you have the hiccups
1: for? Well, I got to the summit, and then, uh, you know, because I t- took one of my breaks there. Uh, that twenty twenty five minute break to shower, eat, and put on a new kit, and get all the bugs out of my hair. Uh, the, the other two guys, so I was I was going way too fast down the descent. Yeah. You know, I was trying to make up time, and I was and the sun was setting, and so it's you know you've had that experience when you're going forty five fifty miles an hour down a hill, and the sun's just right there in your eyes, and it blinds you periodically, yeah. and you're, you're just praying you don't hit a pothole or a rock, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So I was flying and those guys said, dude, you're just (laughs) crazy screaming down that canyon where I passed in there. Then I got out of the canyon and uh, this is where the team effort comes in. I I made a right-hand turn uh, one intersection, two intersections too early or something like that. And Brandon was behind me and I was starting to head down this hill and the other intersection was way down there. And oh, I'm so tired, (laughs) this sucks. I said, only if Brandon would scoot over in the left lane and block traffic so I could flip a Huey. And right after I thought that, Brandon did that, block traffic, I was able to flip a Huey, get back to the other intersection and end up at the gas station. So that was about mile 280
0: yeah. when we got to- That was in Cedar, right? Cedar
1: City, yep. And that was, uh, that, was a, so that was another, that was my second of my three stops. So we stopped there in the parking lot of the gas station in Cedar City and everyone was there. And the other big thing I had to do was the, the halfway way in Yeah. And that was kind of fun because, you know, if I'd lost more than 10% of my body weight, then I was going to be in trouble with my, you know, my colon issues. So we got there, uh, went bathroom, uh, you massaged my quad out. uh, Then I had to get on the scale. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, it was just funny because it's like a heavyweight boxer weighing in or something because we knew what I weighed before I weighed in, before the race started. I think I weighed 196 with everything on. And then uh, got on the scale, and everybody, the crew, everybody's there, circled around the scale, waiting to see what that number is going to be. And it comes in like one ninety nine point nine. I gained like four pounds. It's a, there's like yeah, we're not done yet. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know. I don't. I well, I have a theory. Yeah. The scale wasn't exactly; it was on level ground. It oh. so had a little bit of wobble in it. <laughs> but you know what? I stood on it, and I was right on. Was the it money. right on?
0: I got on it after
1: you. Well, did. I was so scared. I mean, I was so scared about not making weight that I was eating. I probably ate too much. Yeah. That first two hundred and eighty miles, and that probably might have led to part of the hiccup problem as well. Yeah. Because I was just so. So worried about losing the
0: weight. But then with the hiccups, too, you're probably concerned that you're not eating and drinking, and if you're throwing up a bit, you're yeah. probably concerned you're going to drop a few pounds. Yeah,
1: that well, that got to the point. Yeah, when I got two-thirds up the climb, I was I was really getting hard to eat, and so I was just trying to drink as much as I could. And then when I got to Cedar City, I told Captain Sid about it, the team doc. He said, well, let's just quit eating for a while. Just no more eating. Let's just sip. sip what we'll just... Get as many calories as you can through your bottles, and yeah. and that uh, that kind of calmed it down. But I, I dealt with those. So back to uh, you know, plans. You know, we had all these plans to this amount of this, that, the other, the entire race, yeah. all gone out the window. Just yeah. boom, thrown out yeah. the window because I, I couldn't eat. Sure. So I really didn't eat very much from. Cedar City till the the end of the race. I just couldn't keep it down.
0: Really? So how long did you have the hiccups for?
1: Till the end, till the very end, the whole time, the whole time.
0: You hiccuped for and and they weren't just Cedar they City weren't just those thro-
1: throat hiccups. Yeah, it was it They're was really coming heavy ones, heavy ones, deep down, gut wrenching hiccups. Wow. For so I had, I had to deal with that, that the rest. In fact, yesterday I had in, uh you know my throat scoped and had my stomach checked out. I had from that so yeah, so I had to get the foot repaired and. Go get the endoscopy, and and I a, um, you know, I have an ulcer, and so that probably attributed to all of that. But uh, never had the hiccups happen ever. But I'd never ridden more than two hundred twenty miles either. So
0: yeah, I wonder what those hiccups were trying to say.
1: I, I don't know what they were saying. You're too old to be doing this, maybe. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> Maybe your body's like <laughs> convulsing, going like, "What the heck are we doing here?" Yeah, right? yeah, I think
1: I think I mean you know every time you do something, you learn from it. But I think if I if I hypothetically yeah. <laughs> were to do that again with the experience I had, I'd just eat more at the mills, yeah, load up at the mills, really, and then less eating on the bike because and yeah. you know, we took a we took a race plan that's good for a two hundred mile race mm-hmm. and just yeah. basically tripled it, yeah, and your body can't continue to. Digest and consume right. that, that much food,
0: especially when you're burning that many calories yeah. an hour. You as just hard can't. as you were going, so Your body can't do it all.
1: Probably load up on the front end of the race and then just yeah. rely more on liquids the rest of the way. Learn there, but yeah, I had to deal with those stupid hiccups for yeah. two hundred plus miles. It was wow. terrible. That's rough.
0: So what about uh, I know around mile three hundred, uh, Santa Clara? Let's see, Cedar City did. Enterprise back of St. George into Santa Clara. You had some bike issues.
1: Yeah, we were, uh, this is where it gets a little fuzzy because it was about what, 930, 945, I think when we got out of Cedar City. And then it got dark. And I want to say it was about 1130 or so on our way. Uh, I started getting tired. And I started, started battling the sleep monsters on my bike. And it started raining. It started pouring rain. I don't know. what Was it Enterprise? I, I can't remember. It I it, think it was around there. Where it gets blurry. So yeah, I don't have a lot of recollection from there on in, but it started raining like crazy. and It rained for probably four or five hours there in the middle of the night. And I was battling sleep. That sleep deprivation was kicking me, kicking me pretty hard. I was getting to the point where I was, I was zigzagging back and forth across the road. And I guess they told me sometimes I'd even, I'd be crossing the yellow line and there were a couple of times, and I remember getting over to the edge of a drop-off, and I'd, I'd wake up, and there would, I'd just be like two or three inches from going off the edge of the road. And though, so then uh, there was I rem- there was a, a, a rodeo. See, this is where fact and fiction be- <laughs> kind of mesh with me, because it's like 1130 at night, and I see this rodeo. That- that we're going by these rodeo grounds, the lights are on. Well, who has rodeos at midnight? But I guess it's so dang hot. It was a rodeo. It was so a rodeo. I, the hallucinations hadn't started yet. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rodeo, but then there was a climb. We had to do up this canyon before you, you drop down into Veo and you know, Veo and then uh, Snow Canyon and then Santa Clara. Yeah. And going up that uh, climb, it was pouring rain and the light. there was lightning and it was getting closer. And, and I was really, really starting to struggle with sleep. So I guess that's where... I was really zigzagging all over up that climb in the rain, and got to the top and was just getting ready to descend. And as I was coming over the top, I my brake I had no brakes. And uh, I thought, oh man, if I go straight, I'm gonna go off the edge of the cliff, and if I hang a left, I saw it got steeper. and I literally had carbon brakes don't work very good anyway when they get wet. Yeah. But this was beyond this was like pull the trigger to your handlebars and there was there was nothing. Jeez. And so I don't even remember how. Somehow I stopped because I, I started thinking about unclipping and dragging my feet. I ended up, I don't think doing that, but at the summit I'd stopped and it was raining and the road was real wet and there was the uh, um, lightning. So they pulled me off the bike and we got in the car, and uh, but we were right there in a terrible spot where uh, it was a blind corner and the rodeo had ended and all the uh, big trucks with their horses and things like that were coming up the canyon to go to Santa Clara, I'm guessing, or St. George. And we were uh, just riding the way. It was a dangerous place to be. So, and this is what they tell me because I was pretty much delirious at this time. <laughs> so we, we waited for about 45 minutes, and then, uh, Decide, we decided to drive down to the bottom of the descent, to Santa Clara, and uh, they talked to the uh, volunteers at the tent and said, hey, you know, uh, we waited out the lightning for 45 minutes or, and whatnot. Can we, can we take a time penalty and start from here instead of having to go back to the top of the climb? And the, the sweet volunteers at the tent said, that'd be fine. So that was the plan. So take a time penalty and just start, continue from there, and uh, but then you know my bi- brakes were, were shot, and we spent almost two hours trying to fix my brakes there at Santa Clara. And so that huge honking lead I had was yeah. long honking gone. Long. <laughs> now we're just wondering one. Well, at this point, I'm thinking I'm beyond. I'm done. I'm done with the race because I mean I said 200 miles ago and I had zero. We tried tries, tw- twice fix my brakes. I'd take off. I'd go down around the corner, no brakes so come back again no brakes come back and so there they. after almost two hours it's like uh, I think I was done because I just in my mind I had it there's no there's no physical way I can ride my bike ride someone else's bike my buddy I had two bikes there my two buddies that were maybe going to take turns riding behind me never really had a, a, hadn't happened yet so you know Todd he said hey take my bike finish the race use my bike and I just was like I can't. I can't ride your bike. It Doesn't fit me. It's, you know, we got the same same pedals, same cleats, so that, that was the bonus. But I just, uh, and this is one of the valuable lessons I learned is, you know, sometimes even when you you don't believe in yourself, I'd get, I did not believe there's no way in heck I could ride a bike, somebody else's bike that hadn't been fitted for me, two hundred miles. You and I talked about that last yeah, podcasting. Yeah. We did, and I remember, I uh, had my twelve support crew was all there. And unbeknownst to me, this was really cool, about 9 p.m. Friday night, two of my brothers and brothers' sons, my three of my nephews, and they just decided, hey, they've been following the race on racetrack, and they said, let's go support Mark in the race. Yeah. And they showed up at uh, they showed up at the time at 3 a.m. And they showed you how delirious I was. They showed up at 3 a.m. and they play baseball tournaments a lot yeah. they're into the golf tournaments and all oh, so are you guys here for a golf tournament? This is at 3 a.m. and we're just in this neighborhood in Santa Clara <laughs> or for a baseball tournament. And they're like looking at me, what? And I'm like, we're here to support you, man. <laughs> and that was oh, really awesome. cool. So they showed up and my nephew started chanting, you know, my nickname, which is family nickname. I'm going to deal, they call me Whitey. And, you know, everyone said, just try, just take this other bike, just try. And then, and then Megan, my daughter, she's good to have on your support crew. She said... She said, Smith's never quit. <laughs> and that's kind of our family motto, right? Yeah. So so just try. So everyone was there saying, you can do this. Just try. Just take Todd's bike. So I hopped on Todd's bike, rode down the street, rode back because we had to lower the seat, push it back. We just did two tries of that. I said, whatever, let's go. And it was pretty painful and miserable. But I, I rode the next, the final 200 miles on Todd's bike and crossed the finish line. And for those of you that don't aren't cyclists
0: riding another person's bike, you have your bike custom fitted for your legs and your legs are different uh heights at times and so they'll adjust your seat, adjust your handlebars to the right height. You name it, it's custom fit just for you so as it's, it's as comfortable as possible. So when you will hop on a stranger's bike, it's it's a different world. And the seat's different.
1: Yeah, the seat. Yeah, different seat. That was a big one. You know, it, that's how, yeah, I mean, you know how to just fit your own bike. You get it dialed in. It yeah. takes a stuff. So it was what it was, but I guess I'm just thankful to my support crew and my my brothers that came down because, uh, you know, I was ready to throw in the towel, but yeah. they weren't going to let me. Allow it. <laughs> it, not an option. Now they were naive. <laughs> they didn't sure. realize. But thanks to them, yeah, we did. And, and as far as not having a bike that fit to ride a bike, I mean, I was pretty fortunate because we're about the same size, so. That's nuts. We made it work.
0: So, after the bike switch, how did it go?
1: Well, so I got on the bike, took off, and uh, it wasn't feeling too bad at first. And I was, uh, you know, I was just worried about finishing in the 36 hours. So, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was pedaling a lot harder, putting a lot more effort in, trying to make, because I wanted to make that 36 hours. And then I remember it was like five, five in the morning or something. I was, I was still battling the sleep. I just couldn't shake the, the fatigue and uh so i uh um we're just trying to hustle to get to mesquite and uh we're going up this when when i'm you the the way we went home the normal way on i-15 that that road was closed for construction so we ended up going further north there's somewhere you go over a mountain through mesquite because this is where it gets to all be a blur so it was like four thirty-five in the morning, and I'm just—I mean, I'm falling asleep all the time on my bike, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, if I can just get till the sun comes up, and just get till the sun comes up, it'll get hot. It's already—it's lows like, like eighty-five, right? Anyway, it's already hot. If the sun comes up, that'll that'll wake me up, and I'll finish this thing. So I remember as I was doing this long descent towards Mesquite in the dark, uh, I could see the lights of the city off in the distance. And it was just as long straight descent, pedaling as hard as I could. And uh, I remember as I got towards the bottom of it, before you came into town, there was a whole bunch of signs, like speed signs, cow crossing signs. I don't know. there's like seven or eight signs that just lined the road right before you go into town. And the sun hasn't come up yet. And this was pretty cool. <laughs> These signs had legs and really? They were walking around, <laughs> and, and I'm like, "Whoa!" And, then and the, I remember the one speed speed sign. I don't know if it said 45 miles per hour. What it said, but that dude had a mouth and arms, and he was walking around and talking to these signs. It wow. was crazy. And I, but I was here's the weird thing because you know, guys talked to me said when you, you know, if you have hallucinations, you got to just tell yourself they're fake. They're not happening. Yeah. So I was coherent enough to say. To, I go. These signs are alive. Yeah. they're I see them moving. <laughs> they're walking around. Wow. But I said this must be a hallucination. <laughs> yeah. so, so that was pretty gnarly. Then I had one more experience in the Valley of Fire at the end with with that. But so that was my. That's my, crazy. It's just ma- amazing what the mind does. You know, the, talk about this podcast, the Mind's Gym and. The mind was obviously getting tired, too. Yeah,
0: the mind was turning to mush. The the
1: mind was seeing these signs walking all over.
0: (laughs) That is crazy.
1: So then we pulled into Mesquite. There's about 100 miles, 120 miles left around there. And I stopped, had breakfast, showered, cleaned up again. And I remember... Sid came up to me, and, and that's where you hooked back. Did you hook yeah. up with us at breakfast? The ski, yeah. Yeah. Got my... We
0: went and slept for five hours, and then we met you back. Yeah. The got
1: my third set of shots in my left foot to numb it up. Got all ready to go, and it was getting back, and of course, now I've got saddle sores, and I'm not feeling too good. I'm, and, and Sid says, Mark, if you can average 22 miles an hour the rest of the way, I said, can we make 36 hours? And he said, no, we can, we can break 34 hours which our goal, I mean, I kind of an individual goal I had was uh, Mike Conti had done it in uh, what, 3430 when he did it, which is I think the fastest solo time still without any help. And so I was like, that kind of fired me up. That gave me, that was a good little pep talk I needed. So so I said, I'm going for it. So that's and I just let it all hang out right there on. I thought when I took out, I was thinking it would've been nice to have those arrow bars back yeah. <laughs> for that part, but then, when you get to the Valley of fire, uh, it's a lot of climbing yeah. in there. So it's hot and hot. So in the, I, I remember leaving Mesquite, whatever it was times or nothing, seven thirty eight o'clock in the morning. I'm not sure around there, but it was, when I was pulling out the park, I go, wow, you know, it's early in the morning, but it's, it's already hot. It's hot. So then the biggest adventure that last I guess, 120 miles would be that Valley of fire. And, uh, I had no idea what to expect because when I think of national parks, you know, we went through Meade National Park. I was thinking of our national parks. Or, yeah. And i like, this is a national park. Yeah. <laughs> it's just desert. Sagebrush. <laughs> Sagebrush and desert, and it's 110 degrees. So we hit, uh, and they, that was the hardest leg. They'd warned us that leg 27 of the race when you hit the Valley of Fire because there's a, there's a lot of climbing in that Valley of Fire, a lot of climbing. Cause when you look at the elevation map, you know we're at 4,500 feet here and Vegas is at 1,200 feet here. So, you know, they can downhill race, no sweat. But the problem is there's just roller, roller, roller after roller. And I haven't calculated the total elevation gain, but um, it's somewhere between 20 and 30,000 feet in that race. So wow. we hit the Valley of Fire, took off through there. It's, now it's, we're still lucky though. Cause we're, it's only like 11 o'clock. 1030, and if you'd have been there at two or three in the afternoon, I don't know how people would have done it. So it got up to, I think it was over 100 degrees, and then on the road, it was even hotter. But I started pounding through the valley of fire, and I'm just, I am battling that fatigue. I'm I'm sitting sideways on the bike because the saddles rubbed me around, my back's killing me, and they were mocking me after. They were, they were felt sorry for me at the time, but they were calling me the hunchback in Notre Dame because... <laughs> You didn't I was look
0: very good through there.
1: I was just in survival mode, and the ice packs worked. The ice socks worked really well. I mean, you know, my crew had put two ice socks down my shirt every, well, about 30 to 40 minutes, but they worked awesome because as soon as they were melted, all of a sudden the temperature would just boom, yeah. just skyrocketing like, whoa. And so that helped a bunch. And then, uh, then the, I was falling asleep, zigzagging again, and and I was. I I, I got to stay awake. So I said, well, okay, I'll sing. I had the greatest 80s hits, that I'd, and I'll, I'll sing. And I couldn't remember a lyric to any song. Really? <laughs> I couldn't even. You were fried. I was fried. And then I said, uh, what am I going to do? I've got to wake up. So I started slapping myself, literally, you know, physically slapping my face. And the crew, uh, my support crew was like, dude, were there a lot of bugs out there? I said, no, I was just trying to do anything to to stay awake. Yeah. And it was just hotter than heck, roller after roller. And I, and I kept thinking, my mind was, I kept thinking, how many circuits do we do around this valley? You know, and you, cause I go, man, we've been down this valley five or six times cause there would be this one rock formation. You know, when you, when you, you can see faces in rocks and yeah. stuff. There's this one huge rock that had this face in it. Totally see it, it was a cool rock. And I'd see that rock and then I'd pedal a while and I'd see that rock again. And I swear I'd seen that rock seven times. So that's why I thought we were doing a circuit. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, maybe I should pull over and ask our captain, when do we get to quit going in circles and leave? <laughs> and well, we weren't, doing, we weren't doing circuits. It was a shot through the valley of fire. And then my last ice sock, uh, Captain Sid came up and put down my back and I said, how many more hills do we gotta climb? And he he told he says, you got two more, two more rollers, and then you're home free. Yeah. So you just get through these next two rollers, and you're home free. I saying, okay, OK, I can do that. So I did the next two rollers and got to the top of the second one. And Sage, our videographer, says she got some sweet picture of this part of the race. I looked up, and I saw this road that still went up on the other side of the valley and climbed up on top of the other side of the valley. Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking, I sure hope we don't go on that road because that's not what Sid told me. Yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, that was the road. And that's when Megan came to my aid and saved the day again when she yelled at me that "Don't look up, just put your head down and pedal." Because <laughs> <laughs> that's always my thing too. When you got a yeah. steep mountain, don't look up, yeah, just head down just and pedal. pedal. And I remembered that, and she, I go, man, she's right. I got to practice what I preach. Yeah. So I. I and, You know, you were there, everyone was there. My brothers were there. I had an awesome support crew, helping me get through there. So, I yeah, I somehow so I don't remember anyone being going through the Valley of Fire, then the heat, that, that rock formation, yeah. <laughs> and the uh, looking up and seeing that road going to the top of the hill. Yeah, it
0: was hot through there. I remember we would go you know, a bit ahead of you and stop, and i try to find shade anywhere I could just to park the truck and sit in the chairs or in the back of the truck. There was one spot where we couldn't find shade, and it was about three-quarters of the way through that valley of fire. Dude, it was so hot, we couldn't even sit outside. It literally, we couldn't sit in the sun, it was so hot. And I'm like, how this guy's pedaling that bike after 400 miles, 450 miles, 500 miles to that point? I had no idea how you
1: were still... I, I didn't look for it, like you said. I wasn't Chipping looking very good. But,
0: you weren't, I but I literally I was like, "There's no way this is humanly possible." So,
1: I so tell you what? Props. Well, then, well, and I did. I got, I got some pushes. I remember you gave me a few pushes <laughs> yeah, through the valley, and uh, yeah, it uh got through that. And then I thought we were home free because I could look off in the distance and you could see Henderson, mm-hmm. and there was these uh hotel resorts on this beautiful lake yeah. and there was a de- we over that last hill up to the valley of fire there was a descent i'm thinking we got this yeah we just gotta cruise down to the the resort and we've done or done well you get c- towards the resorts the resorts if you go straight you hit the resorts and there's a fork and if you go left it goes up around another mountain
0: yeah
1: and i was following my support car uh my my wife and she was in her, i was following her and and uh my jeep my carman wasn't working was there dead or something by now and she gets to that that fork and she goes left up over that climb and i'm all you gotta be kidding me this thing's not over so i suffered up that that climb and then you dropped down into henderson around that lake and you had another like nine miles through town to the finish line and i just somehow suffered through that and then i when i got to Cowabunga Bay. It was really weird the ending because it was just a curb with a piece of plywood, and you had to hang a ninety degree turn to go into the tunnel. All right. And so, and I saw everybody, and it, there were all these people standing there at the end of the car or the plywood, clapping and cheering and yelling at me. I was so blown. I I did. I just thought those were volunteers.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was my. That was my family. It was, it was all. all of us. I didn't. It was yeah. It was the whole posse. Like Fourteen of you. Yeah. And I didn't recognize, I didn't recognize a soul. (laughs) I thought you were just the volunteers making sure guys didn't miss the turn. And so then all I remember is, you know, you have to almost stop. It's a 90 degree turn to go up this little piece of plywood. And I stopped and I turned. I had nothing to get, I couldn't get up the piece of plywood. So I had to unclip my foot, push myself up over the plywood and went under the tunnel And then it was the sidewalk with a little downhill. I couldn't even pull my brakes. I couldn't even stop. We talk about goals, and goal number one is like, don't crash because if you crash, you won't finish. So don't crash or finish. Get your goal. Get the record. And I was going backwards because here I was through the finish line through the and I'm thinking I'm going to crash. Yeah, because <laughs> I almost did. I did because I kind of well, I didn't know going to stop, so I kind of turned into the, the railing and was trying to grab the railing to stop me. And and a bunch of people grabbed me and yeah. got me off the bike and uh, and it was that we, we it was over. Yeah. And it was uh, you know it was just amazing the uh, the feelings that I. I couldn't even really put them into words but the big thing is i was just so thankful to you guys the team all those people that believed in me and and it was just a super cool super cool moment to have that feeling of accomplishment and, and just gratitude to because it wasn't i didn't do it you know we did it without everybody's help and the donors everybody this was a we did it project and i didn't feel good saying i did it because i didn't it was a I wouldn't have. I would have been down at three hundred miles if everyone would have been there to say, No, Mark, get on your bike get on this other bike, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that was a good lesson for me to learn. So
0: you gotta give yourself credit though, bro. You did all the pedaling. Yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> you did ninety nine point nine 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 percent of it. So you gotta uh you gotta give yourself some credit, dude. There's not many human beings could pedal their bike that far. On still, this
1: planet. Still not, unfortunately. Should I talk about the, the yeah. news, the news I got three, days, three or four days later? Yeah, if so you yeah. we jump to that? Sure, go ahead. So, yeah, so we were pr- pretty pumped. So then I, we got our time. My time was ended up being 33.05. So I'm like, dang, that's with a two-hour layover fixing my bike.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that's a lot of time. Could have been even lower. So pretty stoked about that. And then uh, that was just awesome. I was like, wow, this couldn't have gone any better. And then three or four days later, uh, I, got a, I got an email from the race director and to call him, and I called him, and he's a really good guy. He's, he's a nice guy and a great help. And found he says, Mark, uh, you, you, you didn't finish the race. You have been disqualified. And I'm like, what? And uh, he said, because, you know, when you stopped at the top of that descent and rode, down, rode in the car down to Santa Clara, uh, you know, after you fix your bike, you need to go back to where you left the, the race and start start there and then finish it from there. And, uh, and we, we, had, we, we just started right there. So that's one mistake. And then two is that, and I said, well, we asked, we, well, you know, we, we talked to the people at the tent and they gave us a penalty and blah, 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 and said we could do that. And, and then that was the second mistake. And in retrospect, it's easy because, uh, you know, those volunteers don't have any power to make those decisions. And I had Chad's phone number, yeah and and our we had his phone number in our support van because you know if you have any problems, it says, "Call me, yeah, so you know the, the real thing I mean in hindsight, but I look back, you know my crew, it was now what one, two in the morning, they were exhausted, sure, they man. hadn't slept, no one had slept. you know it would have been so easy to just at the when my brakes went out at the top of that mountain in that rain and lightning, just call Chad. Yeah. And Chad, what do you want what us to do? do? And he's the lead. And then yeah. we would have been home free, whatever he decided we could have done. Yeah. So that when that when that happened, that was I've for a few minutes after I got that news. I was I was pretty pretty bumming. I was, yeah. and that's when I did that final post. I don't know if you saw that final post I did on Facebook.
0: Yeah, I didn't it, see it, but my wife saw. It. After I
1: got yeah the news. And, uh, but at the same time I said, you know, I thought, well, I'm, I'm trying to teach kids and everybody dream big, you know, work hard, pay the price. And, and so I was like, wow, you know, was this all for naught? And cause you know, yeah, I did I did most of it, but I didn't do all of it. And so I got disqualified and, or we didn't, we didn't call to get the change approved, which would have been acceptable too. But, uh, you know, the other lesson I learned is, uh, you know, when you make a mistake, don't blame others. Take ownership. Sure. And that's another life lesson. So, you know, everyone was frustrated and upset. And it's like, you know, we, it was our mistake. It's on me. Yeah. I screwed up. And I took accountability, and I I, I totally accept the D, DQ. And and uh, so, but then when I was in the, back in that valley of fire despair <laughs> <laughs> after the, the, the race, then I started just thinking, you know, this was... Besides uh, getting married and having a family, I mean, you know, you don't want to live in the past, but you always want something better in the future. But this turned out to be one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I mean, yeah, so I didn't get the official score. Oh, so I can't use it for a qualifier for, that bummed me out for Race Across America because I have no plans at this time to pursue that after not making getting this time at Saints to Sinners so I started thinking. about but I looked at this last nine months of my life and the uh, the, the old friendships I rekindled and the new friendships I made and uh, all the wonderful people I met and uh, the experience I had I mean you know if would I do it all over again if I knew after suffering on some other dude's bike for 200 miles and you know I couldn't sleep for like four or five days after with my back and my foot and my rear end. Would I do that all over again is I just said. I said heck, yeah, it was wow. a, totally worth it. I wouldn't trade those memories. I made for anything and those uh people that inspired me and maybe I inspired them i uh and then the and the on top of that, you know ultimately was the the objective was to raise money for those scholarships and uh you know, next spring, it'll just be awesome. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. When we get to award five to ten kids those scholarships to dream big and then pay it forward. So, so when I look at, you know, getting DQ'd really sucked at the moment. Excuse my language. <laughs> but looking back on it, that was just a, a, a personal, just a, something selfish of Mark, when in the big picture I looked at what happened just the coolest thing ever i mean literally one of the neatest experiences of my life and i can't wait to give those scholarships out next spring and fundraising yeah like you said we totally we crushed our nine thousand dollar goal um with the, the final money coming in this last week and today we raised over thirteen thousand dollars wow so that's incredible Just awesome
0: good job bro good job so let me ask a couple of questions um I talked with, what about those other two riders that, uh, one guy was Dimitri and one was Chris. I actually talked with them along the way, just out the truck, through the window, and then I talked with their uh, driver, their support guy's name was Ian. Really nice guys, by the way.
1: Yeah, they were. were
0: Really, really neat dudes. But they, uh, I know about them, after Nephi, you kind of blasted past them, and Ian asked me, why is that guy so far out ahead? Why does he want to ride alone? And I'm like... I don't know that's just usually how he does his races he just likes to put his head down and take off so what are your thoughts on on why you took off at a mile 100 when you still had 440 miles to go
1: well i i mean i do like to race out front but i wasn't racing them see i was using excuse me i was using this for the qualifier for uh ram and ram there's no drafting there's no working with anybody you have to ride solo so that's how I was riding this race. I needed to ride it solo, so I could use it for a qualifier. So that's the main reason uh, I took off was because I wasn't really racing them. I was just racing my game plan, Yeah. and it was just me and the clock. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So that's why that happened. And then, you know, they weren't they it, they were they weren't doing anything wrong because uh, the race guidelines are the solo definition is. One person rides 517 miles, so you can use as much help or draft off other people, whatever you want. That's totally legal. Yeah. So they were just, they talked to Chad before the race and they were just, that's what they were doing. They, Because like Chad told me, I said, well, you couldn't use this for a qualifier for anything else and they were fine with that. So we were really in two separate categories. Two separate races. Yeah, two huh? separate races. Yeah, they were, you didn't
0: know that at the time though, right?
1: I had no idea at the time what, what was going on. I found that out after the fact, but I was just worried about you know, I don't care what other people are doing. I was just worried about myself.
0: Right in your race. Yeah, they were really neat guys. Um, yeah, I got I, I got
1: when we were riding together for a little bit there on the way to uh, Gunnison uh, before I took off. Uh, yeah, I just talked to him real briefly, but yeah, seemed like really nice guys. Yes, they were neat dudes. I just remember. I remember uh, uh, the, What's it, the one? Who, he's the, the superstar who did the Iceland race. Chris, yeah. Chris, yeah. He did
0: like an 850 <laughs> mile race in Iceland.
1: Yeah, I asked him that. Uh, how old are you? And he said, 32. <laughs> really? And I went, like, crap, I'm old enough to be your dad. <laughs> that was a little discouraging for me there. Yeah. But <laughs>
0: Did you listen to his interview that I sent you that? I've,
1: I've got the link, but I haven't had time yet Did to. He
0: rode air. 550 miles in Iceland in 52 hours without sleeping, and he beat the world record by four hours. Wow, He's He was the insane. only guy that signed up solo in that race that completed the race. Everybody else uh, quit. That's crazy. And he said there was rain, snow. Yeah, sleet. Iceland. I can't imagine that. Would he be... said you experience like every single different season, atmospheric <laughs> pressure and season. There's summer, fall, winter. And he said, and he said he trained for it too. He said he'd get up at midnight and ride till eight or noon the next day. So he'd ride all night, all all used night to long. Riding. to yeah. Get used to riding without sleep. Yeah, you, I, can
1: get, I can see why you'd have to do that. Yeah
0: you know, so he went two or three nights and imagine like you, the first night you probably didn't sleep because you were home getting ready and you had nerves going, right? Did you sleep the first night oh, before the race, the night before?
1: I have this, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but, uh, it, you know, you keep, you think we planned the goal, already, we planned way ahead and we started packing and doing everything way ahead. So the goal was to be all done with everything we had to do by the week of the race. Mm-hmm. So then I could just rest, get my sleep, get go to bed early and get ready for that race. Well, as it turned out, everything, things just kept popping up. And I got a chance to do that thing with KSL and Ray in that race week. And I was uh, loading the maps. Well, let's put it this way. I was still loading the maps on my Garmin at midnight. And Megan said, Dad, go to bed. I'll take over and finish for you. So I literally slept from 12 to 2 and had to get up at 2 to get ready to drive to, get ready to go in the race. So, so I'd been up for like 72 hours total. That was part of the sleep. Yeah. I know that was part I mean, of my how sleep, you sleep problem. sleep the night before
0: anyways? I mean, you got your nerves going, right? Yeah. are excited. You're anxious. Well, the
1: two nights before, yeah, I, that whole week I was only getting about four or five hours sleep yeah. because I was just scrambling to get things ready to go. So, you know, I think I would have been fine if I, if, I, if I was able to stick to my original plan and go get seven hours sleep up until, seven hours sleep on race night, pff, yeah. I would have been just fine. But, you know, by the time I got to, nighttime the next day i was at two hours sleep in 24 hours yeah that's what so, i'm saying yeah i mean i can't imagine anybody would really sleep the night
0: before the race because you're so worried and how do you yeah. go to bed early you got to get up at two you got a race starts at four yeah i mean when you do sleep from 10 to 2 12 to 2 yeah maybe yeah. but even at that it's
1: it's not a lot of sleep no it was a. Uh, yeah that was one of the things i definitely would fix if i ever did something yeah. like that again is yeah. you gotta you can't go into a race tired yeah <laughs> That's pretty, I was tired before it ever started, unfortunately.
0: So mentally, what was the toughest aspect of of the race? Like mentally, where where did you have to go and what was the toughest maybe point where you were like, uh, I don't know if I can do this?
1: I think the two points mentally that got me were, uh, well, at first there was the accepting that I was going to ride another guy's bike 200 miles. Because, you know, I, I told my wife, I'm done. I can't do this. There's no way in heck I can ride his bike 200 miles. Just can't do it. And, you know, everyone you just got to try. And so once I accepted that, you know, it's either that or let everybody down. And then uh, that was mentally tough. But once I, I never thought twice. I never sat, I never pouted on the bike. Once I took off, it is what it is. If you're going to finish this thing, this is your only option. Mm-hmm. So can't, comp- you know, no complaining, no excuses, no whining. That's what I tell kids every day at school. Yeah. So I, I once I'd accepted that, and that was the bike, then that was the bike, and I got over that. But then I think the the biggest mental challenge of all was getting through that valley of fire. That was that was brutal. I mean, I didn't ever think about quitting, but I just didn't know how I was going to finish. Really? I don't know if that makes sense. Because yeah. the sleep was killing me, I mean... I was just riding asleep yeah. on that bike, and and then the and the heat, and then the, the climb after climb after climb. But I never, honestly, though, I I never thought about quitting. I mean, really? other than when the brake failure happened, which yeah. I'm disappointed in myself for. But uh, from there on out, there was no quitting. Yeah. I just didn't know if I was gonna they're going to yank me off the bike or I was going to go off a cliff or cross, cross the yellow line. Yeah. If, this rose, if this race ends early, it's not because I yeah. quit. <laughs>
0: I remember a couple times riding. do you ever have the thought, if I wreck or crash... Or something happens like you're so exhausted you don't even care to
1: get hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have that thought? I d I I didn't have that thought, but I've <laughs> but I've had that I've had thoughts like, man, if my bike just broke down right now or blew up or something, it would be all You'd right. Be fine. I'd be fine with it. But <laughs> yeah. I've uh,
0: that's uh, nuts. been there. So, by the way, we're discussing I didn't mention this beginning, uh, Mark Smith road five hundred and is it twenty miles? Seth, the, Total distance, 517.
1: 517
0: miles from Salt Lake City to uh, Henderson, Nevada. And uh, the goal was to finish in under 36 hours. So we're discussing uh, uh, his um, journey on that uh, event. Um, What about, you talked about your gut. Your gut was Okay. Pretty much,
1: uh, hydration-wise, yeah. Except I mean, except for your hiccups, yeah. The hiccups would just made it impossible right. to eat, but drink. I mean, I never cramped. Mm-hmm. so I. Other didn't than cramp, you know, your quad. That quad, we worked on that and mm-hmm. got that good, but I never once, even through the Valley of Fire, mm-hmm. no cramps, nothing. And you're you're missing half your colon. You had surgery. Your colon was okay. Uh, yeah, the bathroom okay. Yeah, we, along I, the way. I, I, we. Yeah, I was able to. I, the, uh, the bowel movement was just at Cedar City.
0: Yeah, and that was okay, and
1: that worked out well the gas station. We didn't have to use the little portable toilet. Perfect. After so i didn't I didn't suffer any constipation, which I thought might be huge, but it was just those stinking hiccups, yeah, hiccups got you. Yeah. that could be that's gut related somehow but and how were your legs did you could you even feel your legs um, by the time I got to the to the valley of fire it was i mean flat roads felt like I was climbing a hill it was it was just effort all the time for mm. me, constant effort so uh and I, I couldn't get off I mean you saw me at the end I couldn't even get off my, I couldn't get off and I couldn't stop yeah, <laughs> I was,
0: you I, were fried
1: I was fried I left it I left it all out there so it's one thing I'm proud of is there's a, I didn't you know that 33 hours and 5 minutes has a big star by it but yeah and you know I still I still rode pretty and with a 2 hour layover so it's like for sure you gotta go back and do it in 31 hours uh, I don't know yeah. it's not, it may not happen we'll see.
0: we'll see one day at a time so, what are you dealing with like today, physically, mentally? I know you've been in and out of the doctor. You're on crutches. Uh, you need surgery on your foot. Um, what physically or mentally
1: like issues you're dealing with after the race? Well, I, this is where I've, especially with my job where I teach high schoolers, teenagers. You forget how old you are. You know, I'm still a, I'm still a teenager in my mind, right? And but when I uh, when I got done with that race, I was just so blown. Uh, my left foot, of course, I couldn't even walk on my foot, and so I went to the doctor next Monday, and I'll get that surgery taken care of in a few weeks. But physically, I, I mean, all last week, I'll be honest with you, I'm still tired. I'm 10 days out. Really? And I'm still dragging. And, you know, after a of jaw, it usually takes me a week or so to feel normal, but this is, and that's why I'm, I'm, so I, I, mentally I thought, you know what, you're not a young man anymore you're (laughs) you're old (laughs) but uh so it's just wiped me out and uh slept a lot and yesterday I had endoscopy to you know see what the uh, bleeding ulcer was doing and seems to be getting better Uh, my bowel movements are turning back to their normal color and uh I'm still tired though I'm Still tired. I'm just physically tired.
0: So you had some blood in your stool,
1: right? Uh, Actually, I learned uh, some new biology. When it's black, that means that you have the ulcer in your throat or your stomach. Really? If it's red, that tends to be in your your, uh, colon. Oh. So mine was black. Yeah. So that was an upper gastrointestinal issue. So, um, but that persisted for a week or so and the doctors put me on medication that's Helped and so I got did, scoped yesterday, and I should be fine in about a month. He said. Did you have an ulcer before the race, or do you think that showed up during or after the race? I, I think I might have had it coming on before. I, I had a few symptoms a few times, cup once or twice in a month when I'd be riding. I'd just get feel like I'd get this massive heartburn, yeah, not hiccups, but it wasn't enough that I, you know, one once every two weeks. I didn't think much, but it had probably been brewing with this whole project, and so. I think the, the stress and everything of the race. And, and the doctor said being bent over in that riding position yeah. for so long, he said that could have exasperated, the, made the hiccups worse. For sure.
0: And as exhausted. And, and uh, the way you rode, I mean, you weren't riding slowly. I mean, you were smoking yourself, dude. You yeah. were flying. <laughs> I couldn't believe how fast you were going. Even at the end when you were riding sideways, <laughs> you were moving up those hills moving uh, well thank you I <laughs> couldn't believe it That's uh, the only way I know all or nothing yeah. uh what about um as you brought up Lodija Lodija's in a month. I can't imagine you're going to attempt to ride that with a come in here with a boot on your foot You come in here on crutches you need surgery on your foot because the nerves are all fried, yeah, they got to be removed so are
1: you considering Lodija for your tenth time yes oh yeah i'm 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 a and my wife's even funny because she she said uh, maybe you can ask the, your, your foot doctor if he can just put a can he mount a, a cleat to your boot <laughs> so you could just wear your boot <laughs> so I don't I'm, I may be in denial but I'm gonna stay in denial until they say I, I don't have any aspirations of doing anything great in it I just want to I'm gonna ride with a couple of my buddies in the cycle sport division just the fun ride and that's 206 miles I think and uh, so as of I'm still keeping out hope to to ride that race. But yeah. if I have to go another week or, or more with this boot, then I'm, I'm probably toast, but yeah. I'm still hoping to, uh, finish Loto jaw to get my 10th year award. And that'd be, be big to me. So have you been on a bike? Have you been on no. the, uh, <laughs> no.
0: nothing? <laughs> nothing? Not in the gym? Nothing. Fact, I haven't even turned over a pedal.
1: No, I got the bike. I got the boot last Monday and I was walking in the boot and, and I called the doctor couple of days ago, I said, my foot, I can't even put weight on it still. It doesn't feel any better than after the race. And so he said, you just got to get off your foot. You just got to get off it 100%. So he gave me, I got crutches and the scooter. Mm. And so I'm supposed to just stay off my foot. He says, stay off it for a week. You know, don't put any weight on it. He says you got your bones are severely bruised. They've been you know, traumatized. So... So I just, uh, yeah, my goal is to, and I said, well, can I start, can I get on my spin bike and, you know, maybe just see if I can spin. So that's the big goal tomorrow. I'm going to see if I can go sit on my spin bike and just spin and get a little cardio in and see if I can do that without aggravating that foot. And then, but yeah, there comes a point where you don't forget, you lose it fast. You know, if I don't ride or do anything for three weeks, I'm kidding myself to think I'm going to go ride 200 miles, it'll be. Yeah. And it'd be quite a task cuz you know sure. you, you get out of shape super fast. Yeah. But so the goal of, as of right now you know, it's four it's four weeks from Saturday, right? So if I could get 2 weeks of, and I don't that's the cool thing is I don't have to go ride 12 hours. Yeah. You know if I could go ride hard for 2 or 3 hours and do that yeah, three times a week and six or eight of those rides in before the race, yeah. I'd be fine. I know I could I yeah. could finish mm-hmm. and that's that's what I am hoping for. So we'll see. That's
0: the plan. Yeah. We'll talk about the mind a little bit and the body. Does the does the mind follow the body or does the body follow the mind?
1: It always comes back to this question. Huh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, now that you did all this big 517 mile race.
1: I I mean obviously I think it's the the body follows the mind. Yeah. It all starts with the mind. You know, even like you talked about our health, everything starts with our mindset. So. I'm a believer the body follows the mind because uh, the body was long gone and the mind was l- losing it. But the mind, <laughs> the mind, the mind is what kept the body moving. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a firm believer that you can do a, there is a breaking point somewhere where even the mind can't make it happen, but sure. it's a lot further. Like, for example, I've, when I got done with the race I remember the one funny well it was funny to me probably no one else but I told my buddy Todd who I borrowed his bike he's he's riding loaded jaw with that's one of the guys I'm riding with and I said dude no excuses you can't tell me this bike can't go 200 miles because <laughs> I just rode your bike 200 miles so if you don't finish Lodajah it's not the bike it's Todd <laughs> this bike can do it this bike can do it yeah. and so yeah I, I'm a big believer that the The mind sets up the body for everything else.
0: Yeah, so after this big, long, excruciating race, did you uh, consider the body? Like, think about the pain in your body. You know, like, I had to learn, like, as I've kind of shifted over into looking at myself and what makes me happy and what makes me less anxious and less worried, I try to do things that feel good. So I've had to learn, like, mental and physical awareness. So, like, pain in the body is is the only way that the body can communicate with the mind. And so when the body's in pain, um, especially excruciating or uncomfortable pain, is it a sign that the body's worn out and not up for the task? Have you considered that?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. And I think that's true. I mean, because the the body, like you said, communicates um, with the mind. And uh, I thought about this, especially when I talked to the race director after after the race. He said, you just got to come back and do it again next year. And, you know, there's, I got, and I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of a, I told him, I said, I'm pretty sure that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity because, uh, you know, this whole, like, this did take a huge toll on my health, this race and preparing for this race. And, and, uh, you know, there's only, there's still mother nature out there. There's only so much your body can take. And, uh, that was for me at almost 52 anyway, that was, I, I pushed my body past its limits. And I think yeah. that's one reason I've got the issues I've got now and, and I'm still just fatigued. I'm still sure. just blown. Worn out. So yeah, it might take me a, a while to recover from this one, but yeah. so. That's kind of a, you know, a reality check, but at the same time, you never want to make decisions right after you do something, because that's when sure. you always feel your worst. Yeah. But so, I hate to say this, because I told you I'm a Stephen Covey guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> More of the branded mindset, like, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do next year? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to, my goal right now is I just want to hopefully be able to ride load John. For the first time, I've raced it for nine years. I've never seen... I hear the Tetons are beautiful when you come into Teton Village, yeah, but I've never seen them because yeah. I'm looking down at some dude's tire, exactly, or trying to sprint to the finish line. And so, ultimately, this would be awesome if I could yeah. do that ride, take a few looks around, enjoy the scenery, finish yeah. it, and then get my surgery on my foot, and go you know, there. go just, just go yeah. from there.
0: Yeah, it'd be amazing to ride a race for fun, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, I'll find I mean, out. It'd be
0: a whole nother world for you.
1: Yeah, this you know will be the mean? first time. I still might try to turn, do something to turn it into a competition with somebody. Yeah, I don't know, but for sure.
0: But yeah, we'll see. So yeah, so I'm so i hoping that you, as a, as a, as I've been interviewing you, I've just been watching you and pay attention. And I watch human beings and pay attention like I never have before. But as I've been watching you and you've been training and and going through all this and putting your body through excruciating, you know, this race. I mean, I can't even imagine. But um. What I'm hoping you're learning is to listen to your body, like you know, because if you consider it, when you put your body through unbearable pain, it, it couldn't that be considered violence to your mind, body, and soul?
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's not. Well,
0: you know what I mean. It's, is not, it, health- it's not healthy. It's is it healthy? No. And is it good for your mind? Is it good for your body? And why, like, why do we get into this? place where we think we need to go ride 200 miles or five or 600 miles like what is it about the human being that thinks they need to go beyond and at the cost of your physical health
1: yeah no that's a valid argument you know and that's a something i think people that athletes have to deal with all the time yeah uh you know is when is enough i mean when is you look at these professional football players that Brett Favre and Joe Montana and these guys they just hang on forever and ever and ever yeah. you know when? when is it uh, but at the same time in, in defense of uh, the body and the mind too um, you know i I, I feel crap, like crap too, because I haven't exercised for ten days. Yeah, you know, and I can't go jog or walk, and I can't, I can't do any cardio. <laughs> no, you can't do anything. So I can't, yeah. <laughs> and so you know, my body's, my body's like saying, when can we go work out again? You know, and yeah, is that your body or your mind? Well, no, it's my body because I, when I don't, uh, with, with my colon gone, if I, if I'm not jogging or walking or, or okay. moving, uh, you know, I get constipated. Yeah, it's almost like I have to exercise to keep my body healthy, I have keep to exercise, moving, yeah. but I don't have to ride 200 yeah. <laughs> miles training rides and a 517 yeah. mile race. But right. yeah, I've, I've, I've you got to move. I got to, I got to get moving again just uh, for health reasons. But you know, the old ad use it or lose it. But you know, you're younger. I could, I would ride. I'd take one day off. I could go again. And then for this thing, I got to where, okay, I was riding every fourth day. So you have to listen to your body and that biological clock. And it's, you know, when I'm sitting there r- riding with the 32 year old, and I'm 52, <laughs> I I'm thinking, okay, uh, you're not 32, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> you could be this guy's dad. Sure. And so you you just got to uh, you got to find balance, Absolutely. balance in all things between the mind and the that's, body.
0: That's what I'm hoping you found with this uh, this experiment that you put yourself through in the last six or eight months. You know, find a good balance that works for your mind and your body. Yeah. That, but I think sometimes when we put ourselves over the top, uh, it, it can cost you some issues down the road, you know. And, and who's to say? And hopefully not. But what if it was like permanent physical damage you caused to yourself? Yeah. All for a five hundred mile race.
1: But see, that's the difference. This you wasn't a f- for a five hundred mile yeah, race. This
0: was for the world.
1: This was for. This
0: was to teach humans.
1: This was yeah. This was this this what we did. We when I say you me sport crew everybody, what we did. Could last forever indefinitely. Sure. And so would I if I if I have a, I don't know some physical element. Hopefully nothing major sure. from it because you know, I don't want to be like that. But a little bit of ache and pain here probably good because it would remind me what we've done. <laughs> remind <laughs> and, you of the journey. Remind me of the journey <laughs> and how it was the freaking coolest <laughs> journey I've ever been on in my life. And and that's the thing is okay if I'm going to err, let's err on the side of. Pushing it just a little too far yeah. versus doing nothing. Yeah, for because sure. then you're then then what do you got to yeah. to, to live. So, I mean, I have I understand everything you say and I totally agree. But for me, this I have zero regrets. Good zero regrets with this experience. Good for you. Now I let's, let's see after I get surgery <laughs> maybe I come back in uh, with, a, with a cane of. Yeah. But I think it, actually the scary thing is see. If this surgery goes like they did on the other foot, watch out. I'm gonna have two good feet next yeah. year. I've been I've been milking this sore foot for probably three or four years. Yeah. And if it gets fixed, oh, yeah. watch hey, out. Watch out, baby. Yeah.
0: You might attend this again. For those down, of you no. not
1: listening, Brandon's rolling his eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so that gets to my next question. So say your surgery goes well. Foot's good, you're healthy. Do you consider saints to sinners again solo.
1: That That is that is the question that will be answered after all of those ifs. Because <laughs> not only am I now, I think I got to be respectful of other people's time as well. You know, there's uh-huh. there's no way I could... Would it be, there won't be another fundraiser to go along with it, which would make it, you know, a lot easier. Sure. And like I said, once you've done something, I can think of about 50 different things right now. We do different round two, which sure. would make it easier... Uh, but you know, as of I don't wanna say yes because and I don't wanna say no because I just uh I don't know I don't know where life's gonna lead me next year so yeah, good if it, if a something pops up if it, something happens and I don't know I guess that's the honest answer is yeah. we're gonna wait and see good for you
0: yeah, and it's day by day and that's everything bro you yeah can just just take a minute by minute, day by day, see how the foot feels, see if it heals up, see how the surgery goes. Maybe you'll do loadage, maybe you won't. And yeah, your one body reason... will let you know if, if it wants oh, yeah. to do loadage or not. No, it'll tell if me. If you listen.
1: Yeah, if I listen. But that's why I would kind of like, because there is a chance this you know, could be my last one. Yeah. 10 years of this, you know. So, we'll, so yeah, well, the body's going to do it. Well, right now, the body's got the final decision, not the mind, because my mind would go do it. But sure. if, if I can't pedal a bike, I can't yeah. pedal a bike. Yeah. So. So yeah, we'll just have to leave that question. I wish we could do a teaser and say <laughs> wait till next year. But uh there's I don't I have zero plans, so I'll, my only plan I know that's gonna happen next year right now is on that awards night, it's going to be awesome to give those scholarships yeah. to those kids.
0: It'll be incredible, that'll be fun. What was your favorite part of the race? We talked about a lot of the <clears throat> my favorite, rough parts. What was your favorite part?
1: The favorite part, because I, you know, we mentioned before, live in the moment, enjoy the bugs were not my favorite part. That was out of control. You could not, when we, I couldn't even see out my windshield, my glasses, you know, and yeah. they didn't taste. So that wasn't fun, but uh, the favorite part of my race was. I, I just enjoy. I don't know. I, am weird, I guess, because I enjoy just pushing, pushing yourself, and doing things that you don't think you could possibly do. You know, beyond what you ever thought you could do. And I look back now, like when I, I wonder, I seriously, I don't know how in the world I rode my bike that far. Honestly,
0: I don't either. It's
1: like a dream. It's really just like a dream. And then when I throw on top of that, I rode I rode my buddy's bike for 200 miles, throw that in there and it's like, did this really happen? Yeah. And so, but so I guess for me, the favorite part of the, the race, because this was also once in a lifetime, was the training. I loved, I loved, once I got on the, you know, the prep sucked. That was always bad. But I mean, once I got on that bike and I, not many people, how, how many people can go on it? 200 mile bike ride and be gone for 12 hours and just ride in some of the most beautiful places on planet earth.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that, that's a memory I'll always have and I think that's my favorite part of the whole thing because I don't see the immediate future where I'm going to have that kind of time to do that. Yeah. So, that's kind of weird, but I mean, but I do also preach if you don't if you don't like training, then you're going to be miserable because the event is such a teeny tiny aspect of your time. 99% of your time is spent training. Yeah. If you hate training, then you probably should find something else to do in fact my dad used to always tell me that i said mark if you if you're not having fun you shouldn't be doing it so i guess i the whole race the challenge of everything we did was fun was it was miserable which means that we did it and so that makes it even more fun uh this part of it i hate the aftermath of it you're thinking that's no fun but i just loved every aspect of the race and the friends i gotta forgot i gotta put this in there real quick. it was so cool when I put my support crew together um, there were all these people that didn't know each other from Adam the only two people that knew each other were Dana and and Alyssa that was the the Johnsons who they were they owned the van we took you know no one knew you no one knew them and then they knew nobody on the crew nobody knew anybody and I'm kind of on the outside looking in because I'm just the peddler I'm out there thirty thousand foot view and I got these 12, 14 different people don't know each other from Adam. And, uh, you know, you wonder how that's going to work out. And there's a few hiccups here and there. But ultimately, the cool thing was, I mean, in that van, those people were were there together for 33 hours. And when they got in, they didn't know each other. And when they left, they had nicknames for each other. It was like they'd known each other their whole lives, you know. And I thought that was cool just to see these these friendships that came from this group of people that were total strangers to now they've got that common, that bond. We've got that something, that special Absolutely. challenge we did that'll last yeah. us the rest of our life. And, uh, and with you reconnecting, you know, with you, the last time I'd seen you is when we were chasing them down and <laughs> going to Bear Lake yeah. and uh, having that opportunity to develop that friendship. Yeah. And uh, your brother your brother says, I'm going to meet you sometime. It's going to happen. Yeah. I said, I look forward to it. So. Brother Tony, Tony, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I met it. I've met you know Barry. I met then Chase. I met and then you. I met and so Tony.
0: Yeah. Tony, actually, uh, I sent him the finish some some of the videos. He was following it on Instagram, but uh, he uh, actually sent me a video and he was crying when you finished. <laughs> yeah, he sent me a he text. Was all he was so happy. I was like, dude, that's unbelievable. I said, yeah, the guy's a freaking rock star.
1: You know, I had I had two my daughter when she went on her mission to Leeds, England. Uh, you know, she made some dear friends. Came home. We have a couple uh, that's a little bit older, maybe in their sixties, and they came to visit us middle of July from England, and they got all into it. So you know, they sat up all all two nights because it's eight what, seven hours difference over there. Yeah. So they sat up all night watching that tracker, really, <laughs> and they were texting Chris and saying somebody just took a wrong turn at this. She even went in on Google Earth and said, "Make sure Mark doesn't turn on this, take yeah. this wrong turn because there's this one turn that everybody's taking is yeah. the wrong one." There was a wrong turn there. There, there and, was another race, yeah, that was sharing going. that part of the track, and yeah. so that so I had those two in England. Wow, we're uh, getting cool. into it, and so it's like, well, yeah, that, yeah, you created a new family, bro. Yeah, I did. I got a whole new family, and so, I, and like I watch. said, the. The more you try to serve other people, you know this. The more you try to serve other people, think you're doing the world uh, something good, mm-hmm. you, you end up get you end up getting more blessings than you could ever imagine. Hundred percent. I mean, it's like everything I did doesn't compare to how I was blessed by all the, the experiences and friendships and people I met and,
0: yeah.
1: and everything else. And so, yeah. you know, we can pay that forward, and yeah. this world's going to end up all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You had an amazing crew. All your uh, people that I met, all those new human beings, family, friends. They all got along well, and those are some really neat humans. I think I mentioned that to you or somebody, but talk about a neat group that you put together. You did a heck of a job. got some neat friends. Worked out. Um, I remember you said at mile 300 um, you don't remember a whole lot after that, and I remember watching you ride through the Valley of Fire. I just had a little note here, and I always I talk often. I don't even know if we're doing ourselves. I sometimes think that somebody else is doing us. Like we're being ran by a bigger power, but I said you rode by us a few times, and I told my wife, "I'm like somebody else is riding that bike right now." <laughs> like it was crazy to watch. Like it—it it almost wasn't you. It was, and I don't know what it was about you, but as hard as you were pedaling, as strong as you still were, and you were completely exhausted, I'm like somebody else is riding that bike. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, I was. I've, I actually didn't get a chance to mention this because I was. I, <laughs> I'm long-winded. I'm trying to do good. But <laughs> there was also a uh, what I would call a few spiritual experiences that I had on that bike. And uh, <clears throat> one of my dear friends, he passed away from myeloma cancer, a rare blood cancer, uh, over a year ago now. And, and we started that. Last year, we started a myeloma mm-hmm. cycling club. Cycling crew, and, and you know, we were going to get him better and get him healed up, and we were going to go ride Immigration Canyon last year. And uh, and he never, fortunately, he passed away before we ever had that opportunity. And so, uh, and his sweet wife, who's one of my dear friends that I've known my whole life, uh, she sent me a letter and she just said, I want you to know that. Byron will be there, giving you a push when you need it. So yeah, there were several times during that race when I had to get up that hill in valley of fire, and nothing left. And I, and then I just felt that push on my back, and I turn my, I physically turn my shoulder and look. You can Brandon or somebody was there giving me a push, and and then there was there was no one there that you could see, but. I know I had lots of uh guardian angels watching over me that night because uh you know, where I hadn't slept most of that week and was running on empty before the in fact I I broke down Thursday night. They ran that KSL special that I was gonna do this fundraiser and you know I was gonna and I when it was over, we recorded it because I was we were too busy packing and I watched it late that night. And I just broke down and started crying Says, huh I can't do this. You know, there's no way I can, there's no way I can ride my bike 517 miles on two hours sleep and only three or four and not for that whole week. I was exhausted. And, uh, and so in that, you know, the race happened and there was all those times when I was falling asleep early on and crossing the yellow line and uh, drifting over to the cliff. I I can remember several times just waking up and looking down and there's the white line, six or seven inches, and there's the drop-off into the canyon. And it was almost like uh, my wife said it best. There was a bunch of angels lined up along both sides of the road, so every time you would dig into the cliff, they'd push you back. Or when you'd cross the yellow line, they'd push you back. And I know everybody has their own beliefs and whatnot, but I had a lot of people praying for me and, uh, and me personally, I felt like I have a lot of guardian angels with me on that ride. And I wasn't going to share that because it was very personal and sacred to me. But, uh, when you mentioned that that you said, how does he keep doing that? There were times when I wasn't, I was, I was getting a push.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. Thanks for sharing that experience, buddy. It was a It was a sight to see, definitely. Um, after all of the uh, mental and physical excruciating pain, and I think you mentioned this before, but was was it all worth it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Like I said, one hundred percent. If I could do it tomorrow, I'd go do it again. It's awesome. I w- no regrets. And I just wish we would have called the race director. That's my regret. Yeah. But. You know, that's nothing. That's, like yeah. I said, that's it's just nothing. a teeny tiny part of the puzzle.
0: Yeah. And the DQ's part of the journey too, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all about self-exploration, and that's going to take you to a whole nother level
1: of... No, you're absolutely. Right. And, and it needs to happen. And, yeah. you know, it's, it happens all the time. I mean, just because we do all those things, we don't necessarily get the result we want. That's another lesson that was reaffirmed to me, as a, and which is probably better to teach kids, you know? You're not going to get exactly what you want, even if you do bust your can. Yeah. But I promise you'll never have any regrets. Yeah. And sure. that's that's how it is. And so I'm at peace with that. And uh, it would have been cool, but, you know, the important things that needed to happen happened. Mm-hmm. It really mattered. For sure. For me in this experience. Mm-hmm. So it was awesome. Very, yeah, very grateful.
0: Cool. Yeah. Is there another way, too, to teach kids to dream big? Is there another way to maybe teach kids how to push their limits without going maybe too far? I'm not saying you went too far. I'm probably <laughs> your biggest fan. I know you are. But I just like asking these questions. Is there another way like, to create awareness for children or these high school kids that
1: you're mentoring without uh, it being a physical feat? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only reason I use the physical feat is because that was something personal that I like to do. Uh, but as a teacher, that's what we spend... We bang our heads against the wall 24-7 is how do we motivate these kids? Because everybody's different. Sure. You know, what motivates one child doesn't motivate another. But, um, I mean, shoot, there's a... Well, as a history teacher, I, I all I do is share historic... Not all I do, but a big thing I like to do is take all these people from the past, that we, these George Washingtons, these Abraham Lincolns, these Alexander Hamiltons, John Adams, that we, we just see as immortals, basically. Mm-hmm. And... And I try to, and I show them they're just ordinary people like you and I. The only difference is these are ordinary people that did extraordinary things. It doesn't have to be on a bike, you know. It can it can be in the classroom, it can be at work, it can be whatever you're doing. I don't care what you do. In fact, but whatever you do, you got to be passionate about it and be the best you can be at it. And then as you're doing that, how can I help other people along the way? I love it. And so, yeah. Biking is not the only way to learn that lesson, but for me, that was a a way I could visually show those kids look, if you want to be the best engineer in the world, Mm -hmm. in the state, whatever, you better get your butt to some engineering camps this summer. Work hard. Work hard. Pay the price.
0: I love it. Good job. So, what did you, what's the biggest thing that that this experience taught you, or what did you learn from this uh, event or this journey? Um, like, you know, what did you learn for you?
1: The, my biggest takeaway was really simple. After all said and done and everything kind of dust settled and I had time to reflect upon the event, uh, it just reaffirmed something that we probably already know, but it, this really stuck in my mind uh, that, you know, the more, the more we help other people, the more we really help ourselves. In fact, the more we give, we, we can never get ahead. As hard as I worked to help other people, I always ended up receiving more than I gave. And now i somebody said, well, so you do that to be, you know, uh, greedy, well, no, it's just, it's just a fact. The, the more you care about others, the more your life will be edified and fulfilled, and that's things that matter that last. You know, everything we do that's self-centered about us means nothing except maybe you. But the biggest lesson for me is, uh, you know, love people, Look for the good in everybody. You know, I, I'm getting better at that. People all the time always focus on everybody's bad points. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the, what are the there a good, what, is, what is good about this person? Okay. You know, Abraham Lincoln once said to people when there people he didn't like, he says, "I don't know that person. I need to get to know them,"
0: yeah.
1: which is sound advice. So for me, the lesson was: the more you give, the more you get yeah. tenfold. Okay. And I feel I feel selfish because I've been so blessed for through these experiences that will last me the rest of my life.
0: Sure. Yeah. Good for you. It was an amazing feat, bro. I'm honored to say that I know you and be able to have you on the podcast. And uh, um, you're a stud.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. It, thanks for having me again. Any other
0: things you want to share? No, I just uh, the race or
1: I just want to let everybody know that uh, next spring, uh, I'll, once we have the, uh, give, give the scholarships and we have those kids, I'm going to uh, post on Facebook and Instagram Maybe we we'll put a link on your podcast. Uh, I'll put we'll put those students in their bios and uh, share their big dreams and uh, how they're going to pay it forward when they're done. So we'll have a, be able to follow up and let people know that their donations were put to good use for this yeah. cause. Cool. Well,
0: thanks, buddy. That was uh, most the most amazing physical feat I've ever witnessed personally, and I was honored to be a part of it. Uh, my wife and I were thrilled. That was the. One of the funnest days of my life in a long time. <laughs> Just was to fun, watch that experience, it? I really had a great time. I mean, I was I had a blast. You know, we got up at five or six in the morning, drove from Salt Lake City I to Mesquite, and it took me, I think, sixteen hours.
1: Well, what, where when have I you ever first...
0: taken sixteen hours to drive to Mesquite, Nevada? Yeah, and it was beautiful. We went on all the side roads, all the back roads, because that's how the race went. We, right. I was in awe. You never day. seen all those cool. It I never knew beautiful. those places
1: existed. Yeah. How about out of out of a uh, the that the mountains yeah. that we climbed up over stunning but I, I you first caught me at what 70 80 miles wasn't it before uh, right in right as you come came into nephi oh right oh yeah that's right right and yeah. you pulled up next to me and at first I, I didn't know who this who's dude this? who's this dude in this white pickup truck is is he gonna be mad with is he gonna <laughs> yell at me because i'm not riding on the on the gutter far enough or yeah, what but, yeah. yeah that's my first yeah there you guys were yeah mm. Had your camera out? And go get a Mark, and that was really cool.
0: Yeah, it was so cool to watch <laughs> and be able to be a part of. And then uh, we uh, up the top of that cedar. That pa- what's that pass called when you're right up the top of cedar? Cedar breaks. Cedar breaks. breaks? Or whatever, yeah. Cedar breaks. I believe. So we were ahead of you twenty or thirty minutes. So we stopped and got out at Cedar Breaks and actually checked out the scenery. How beautiful it was. The, you know, they got a couple spots where you can actually see the whole valley. It's stunning, Isn't and it? I don't think I've ever stopped there at the top of Cedar so We rode through there before, yeah, uh, but I think it was dark when we did that, uh, that uh, yeah, the, other race. Yeah, that
1: other relay Rockwell race. Well, relay. relay. It was dark.
0: But just to be able to drive every 20 or 30 minutes and stop and sit and just notice the scenery, it was just amazing. Yeah, that, so just to slow down and not – just to know you don't need to be in a hurry everywhere you're going – and you see so much more. You do. That is a fact. It, it was so cool. So I I thank you for allowing me to be <laughs> well, a part you're, well, you're welcome. of your uh, of your crew. You know what I mean? It, it, it was such a neat experience for me. And to, to watch you push your physical limits, I've never seen like that in my whole life. And I've witnessed a lot of things. I mean, I've owned a CrossFit gym for five or six years. I went to the CrossFit games, and these guys are machines. But they go for 30, 45 minutes or an hour, but to watch a human being push themselves for 33 hours uh most unbelievable physical experience i've ever witnessed and and thank you bro i'm a huge fan of yours well thank you Brian. i I love you and think you're a just a a neat human being (laughs) aside from cycling you're you're a you're a great man
1: well thank you appreciate that
0: you bet buddy so we're gonna wrap up here um One exercise I'm going to leave you for the week, which I talked about a bit earlier, is awareness. Uh, I spoke a bit about this today, but really listen, watch, and pay attention to your physical and your mental feelings. You know, this is for the world. The body is an amazing machine, and it it does speak to you. So learning to listen to your body and tap into it, um, pay attention to it, and uh, you can cure a lot of conditions if you eat well work on your mind, and and focus on your overall health. But to do that, you got to be aware of how the body feels and be aware of how the mind feels. And obviously, as you listen to Mark here today, he put his physical body to the limits, and I think he put his mind to the limit, and he still succeeded. And, uh, you know, he showed some people that maybe there is no limits to this uh, physical condition so anyways, thanks again, Mark. Amazing human being, amazing athlete. I have no idea how you completed that race. It was a pleasure to hear your mind today, and and, and it's an honor to have you on the podcast again. And uh, I truly thank you, and I hope you all enjoyed this uh, final. Uh, this is the third podcast with Mark Smith. Uh, I might just – he almost has taken over this podcast. <laughs> In the last six weeks. So uh, I don't think there'll be a number four, but you never know. Maybe next year. Who knows what this guy's up to. We never know where it's going. So anyways, to all you listeners out there, thank you so much for listening again. Uh, uh, I think the world of you all and uh, go out there and uh, exercise and question that mind. And please subscribe uh, to this podcast and tell all your friends. and, And thanks again, Mark. Your stud and have a beautiful day out there, uh, everybody.